We are really still primarily looking in this section at the sins of the people of Isaiah's day and some of the frustrations that they felt because God didn't seem to be paying attention to them or blessing them and they didn't understand the reason why. So, chapter 59, verses 1 through 8. justice in their tracks. 
Their paths are crooked. You know, when you refuse God's will and God's law in your life, you just make a tangled mess of everything. It's just a chaos and confusion and complication. <coughs> That's what you see. That's God's analysis of their lives. And it's the very reason why God has not been able to bless them. Comments and questions. Project. This is quote of Romans 3, right? Yes, it is. And that is the same point, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> Always good when the New Testament goes to the Old Testament making the same point. Other <laughs> 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 thoughts? Yes, Jim. Um, a lot of us in the Latin message, and as you said, it's going to be for those who read this while they're in Catholicism. Um, and I guess here we've looked before at the sins of the supposed religious leaders, and this looks like just a sin of many people in general. Is, um, do you think it's Isaiah's, like uh, Isaiah's aiming this at the spirit of the most current generation? And how much do you think it applies to the Latin uh, you know, all of that's debatable, but it looks to me like this is more the sins of the people of Isaiah's generation. I mean, the idolatry, I think, that he's describing here, uh, and, and some of the injustice may fit more with his generation and with the time when they were self-governing. So I just think it may be a better fit for the things that Isaiah is personally experiencing. And like I say, I think he's... He's kind of integrating in the present and the future more in these last few chapters of Isaiah. That, that's just my take on that. That's the, the hardest things for me, and often the hardest things in Bible study, are getting the global picture. I can see the trees okay, usually. I have a hard time with the forest. And so I have a harder time, you know, coming up with the overall way to look at some things. And that's still, that's a challenge for me. And, uh... You know, so I may modify that, but at the moment, it looks to me like these last few chapters is kind of alternating back and forth between his day and the future. <coughs> Other thoughts? 9 to 14. Therefore, justice is far from us, and the righteousness is not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold, darkness. For brightness we, but we walk in blue. For growth along wall like blind men. We grow like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in the twilight. Among those who are vigorous, we are like dead men. All of us growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. Our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our victories. Transgressing and denying the Lord, and turning away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving in and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. Okay. Um, it's dark. The justice and righteousness is far away from them, and it's just gloom and doom. They're like blind men. It's worse than that. They're like men who don't have eyes. You know, there might be some hope for a blind man, but what do you do if you lack eyes? Uh, they, they stumble at midday like a twilight. They don't have any light, no matter what time of day it is, because the darkness is in them. They can't see. They are blinded by their sins, by their confusion, by their self-seeking. 
Uh, and the situation seems hopeless. Uh, and they moan and they groan and they wish things were different. But their sins are just there. They're everywhere. They transgress. They deny the Lord. They turn away from God in verse 13. They, they speak oppression and revolt. And this is just a, a picture of, of the sinful present uh, that Isaiah is in. And it's just a dark, dismal time. He says in the first part of verse 15, this is a bad verse break. Uh, yes, truth is lacking, and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. If anybody tries to do what's right, then he gets pounced on by the others. This is because this is uh, uh, sin always wants unanimity. You know, they don't like a nonconformist who tries to do what's right. So it's it's just a, a, a bleak time for the people of God. Comments, questions. I read the first part of it, yeah. I, I, I'd go 9 to 15a, but you know, it's really hard to get people to break in the middle of the verse when you're trying to do this. <coughs> Every once in a while, there's a verse division that you feel like, man, I wish they divided that out differently. And this is one of them where it seems to me like the break really comes in the middle of it. This Michael. Um, as we look at this sin blinding us and creating this barrier between us, it's, it's ourselves that are putting up that barrier, but it's not ourselves that can tear it down. It's only through God. But God won't tear down that barrier if we're not humble enough to realize that we need Good point. That's exactly right. Yes. You look at this and you think this is what we should deserve. Um, because we are sinners. But far more in this passage, because these are people that once knew the truth. You know, like the people who are vigorous, they, they walk among them like dead men. How, how sad and how treacherous it is for someone who knows the truth to, to turn away from it. And just sort of diagnosing the situation. They are all sinners. I mean, they're just they're just constantly turning away from God. I think his point in Romans 3 is just saying, all men are sinners. You know, and they use every part of their body for sin and wickedness. And uh, so I, I think he's just really trying to analyze what the situation is.
Yeah, good point. Yeah, this is, this is not a picture that, you know, a few superficial changes will change when they have no eyes and when their hearts corrupt. You know, it's, it's pretty hopeless. Emily. It's so sad because, like, we, when we think of sinning, usually we think of it as doing this thing that we really want to. It, it makes us happy. Like, oh, well, I, I don't know, whatever it is. But here, they're so sad, and they're moaning because of their sins, and yet it's still not driving them to God. And I think sometimes it says they live that, like, we're so sorry for the things that we've done, and it makes us sad and makes us miserable, but it doesn't drive us to God. We're just and you see that a lot. You see people who are readily willing to admit, I'm pathetic, I'm a mess, I do terrible things, but they don't change. You know, it just becomes sort of a, you know, woe is me kind of a thing. That, that's really sad. I mean, it ought to be that the acknowledgement of sin leads us to God, but it certainly doesn't always do that. And sometimes people feel almost purged because they admit they're sinners. I'll tell you how awful I am. Don't be so awful. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, there's no real virtue in and of itself in, you know, being an open sinner. You know, uh, still, the repentance is what's required. And, and so you don't see any hope here. I, I think that is exactly uh, what we're seeing. Is this, is this is just pathetic, and it goes from bad to worse, and it's dark, and it's gloomy, and, and what's going to change this? You don't see anything that's going to change this. Truth is lacking. And if somebody tried to change, they're going to be pounced on it. And, and so, so it's, it's just a hopeless, helpless picture. That's what I say is facing. That's the situation of his generation. John. Um, my translation says, and we grope as if we had no eyes. Yes. So I see these people as having the ability to see, but they're choosing not to. And, and essentially they, you know, they're acting like they have no eyes, but they're really they're just not using them. Okay. How about it? <coughs> Other thoughts? What's, what, do, you, do you wonder what the next session is going to lead to? Well, look at the middle of 15 now to verse 21. At the Lord's door, and he was displeasing in his back and justice. And he saw that there was no man, and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. And his own arm brought salvation to, to him, and his righteousness of help him. He put on the righteous, uh, righteousness like a breastplate, and, and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself with zeal of as a mantle, according to their deed, so that he will be paid. Wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the coastman, he will make recompense. So they will fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun, and he will come like a rushing stream, by which the wind of the Lord drives, and his evil will come to die. And to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, declares the Lord, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you, and my words which I put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring, offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. Alright, so the Lord saw, probably not a big surprise, it would have been hard not to, it was so obvious how evil they were, but when the Lord sees it, 
Well, it's displeasing in his sight that there's no justice. That's not a big surprise either. And he saw that there was no man. There's nobody to help. There's nobody to intercede. So what does the Lord decide to do? He goes into himself. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he does. The situation is so terrible that nobody but the Lord could or would involve himself. So the Lord decided to do it himself. And so what does he do? He puts righteousness on like a breastplate, the helmet of salvation, the garments of vengeance, wraps himself in zeal as it was a mantle, and he goes out to do the work himself. He does what kind of work here? Vengeance work. That's the first thing. Repays according to their deeds, wrath to adversaries, recompense to his enemies. So first God punishes the wicked. And then there are those who fear the name of the Lord, that, that come to fear the name of the Lord, that the Lord will bless. He says in verse 19, so they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, for he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives. A redeemer will come to Zion to those who turn from transgression to Jacob. So he punishes the wicked and he comes to bless those who are willing to turn from transgression so that he can bless them. And these that he blesses, these that he uh, defeats sin in their lives. He puts his spirit upon them. He puts his words in their mouth, words that they will follow, their children will follow, their children's children will follow from now on. And so, you know, when the situation is utterly hopeless, and when there's nobody to help, the Lord himself dresses himself for the task and comes down to battle against the wicked and comes to Zion to bless those who are willing to turn from transgression. And he puts his spirit on them and preserves and guides and blesses them. It's a pretty picture. Yes? I love the idea of what you're talking about, the justice in this passage in verse 11 where you know, we, we hope for justice but there is none. If we seek for justice in this life from, from men and from the court system and, and just from the treatment of men, we're not going to find it. We're, I mean, we can't, we can't be thankful against the people. We have to learn how to be humble and turn the other cheek because one day God's going to be the one to, to truly serve justice. And you know, in, in setting up official enemies, the reason why He did this was in the name of justice. Yes, Roger. I, I like it when the Lord's going to fight sin. He dresses up like a warrior because he understands that it's serious, you know? And uh, he puts all these parts of the armor. And we know that in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, we need to put the armor of the Lord in order to fight sin. And I don't think we're that serious when we're going to fight sin. I think we're kind of like, oh, you know, we're going to make this war against sin, but it's a, it's a high, you know? We need to get off. We need to go ready to fight and ready to work in order to defeat the sin in our lives and in the lives of other people. Amen. Same. I think sometimes we get this picture in mind when we read about the vengeance of the Lord. Um, and you read in the earlier part of Isaiah, the judgment of the coming upon the nation. Um, 
think it's going to be my life. I think they think, okay, the Lord's going to destroy these people. We kind of move on from that. I think that God loves to just take things out of his people. It's something that hurts him. He doesn't want to take things, but he knows he has to because he's just. It's something that he loves people. He doesn't want to have to do this to them. You know, a lot of times we read these passages and think, oh, it's something that God just wants to do because people are wicked. No, he doesn't want to do this because the people are wicked. He wants to call them back to himself because of his love. My dad tells me all the time, not even once thank you when you were there, but because I knew I had to reprimand you. The Lord doesn't want to do this, but he knows he has to because it's a just God and it's the most best for his people. Good morning, brother. And verse 19, where it says, So they will hear the name of the Lord from the west, and the Lord from the rise of the sun. Is that something specific, or is that just saying that everyone will hear? Yeah, from one side to the other. John. I think it's interesting to see that God brings salvation and deliverance through punishment, and through punishing his people. And, and, and you know, oftentimes we think, well, God just give me salvation and don't punish me. You know, but here we see God, you know, that's the way he brings salvation to his people is by punishing them and the people that want to come to him. Good point. That is uh, a very common theme in the Bible. Blake? I, I could be wrong, but um, in verse 21, uh, I mean, the words that are in their mouth, I mean, I guess I, I just think that's what, that's what we're reading right now. Like, that's what we have in our hands right now is that we have this forever and just thought that, I mean, it will, it will never depart from us. And, I mean, I don't know if it's directly related to <coughs> I kind of see. The Lord's given us his word today as well. Absolutely. Great. Um, in verse 16, and I, I'm not sure if I have this right or not, but now we said Therefore, his own uh, arm brought salvation for him. Uh, Was that basically, you know, obviously it's saving us, but really it's for his purposes because he wanted to. Salvation for me. Yes. I was thinking the Lord sees this horrible situation, but he sees it and he sees that nobody else is going to try to help in this situation. He goes and does it himself. I think we, we face situations like that when we see situations where, you know, there's nobody doing anything about it. We're expecting somebody else to do it. And then we we're, we sit back and say, well, somebody else is going to do it. You know, sometimes we just need to go and do it ourselves in order to fix that situation, just like the Lord did. Good point. Good point. Right here. Are we supposed to see that Jesus coming Yeah, I mean, I think that Jesus, at least, uh, is the Redeemer comes to Zion in terms of the people from transgression. In fact, that passage is cited in Romans chapter 11, if I'm not mistaken, in Romans 11, verse uh, 26 and 27. So, yeah, I think that it is, uh, in, in many senses, Jesus that fulfills this. Other thoughts, Jay? Uh, what's in speaking? Just that, that the Lord would continue to bless them with His word and His protection, and there would be a continuing um, people of God for you know, that. John, who is who is the in verse 